0: We're glad to welcome every person here today. With my team, I've just returned from China, where there is a tremendous revolution on, Siberia, and Russia. I have some exciting stories to tell you today. We traveled by plane, by train, by car, and by bus, went right round the globe. And we spent 13 days overseas. I want to share with you today some exciting, amazing stories from Russia, Siberia, and also China. I want you firstly today to take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel according to to John, St. John, John chapter 4 and verse 5 and onwards, please. I want you to notice the story here of Jesus when he talks to a lady, John chapter 4, the woman at the well, John chapter 4 and verse 5. Five and onwards, I want to welcome every person here today and I want to give greetings to all of my friends across this great land, uh, to the Dardens over there in uh, Illinois who came with us, and uh, to all of those dear folks who came and helped us to preach the word. John chapter 4, verse 5 and onwards. So we came, this is Jesus, to a town in Samaria near Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is noontime. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. My friend, is racism new? My friend, racism is as old as human nature. The Jews and the Samaritans didn't talk. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, what does it say? Living water. My friend, I say that's what we need today, this beautiful living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. And you know the rest of the story. How Jesus revealed to her heart the secrets of his life, of her life. And then he revealed to her that he was the promised Messiah. And then the disciples came back and Jesus was there. He'd been talking to this woman and they were somewhat surprised that he would talk to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. In verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? The Bible makes it very, very plain that this woman became a disciple of Jesus after this encounter with the Lord. This was a tremendous harvest. This was the first fruits of a great harvest that Jesus had in mind. Then, if you come down here, verse 31, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. My beloved friend, I wish that you would get this text down into your mind today. The words of Jesus when he said... Do you not say four months more and then harvest? Jesus said, don't say four months more. Jesus said, I tell you, open your eyes. We need for the Spirit of God to come into our lives and to open our eyes. Jesus said, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I want to say to the viewers on television, I want to say to the members of my church today, Lord, open our eyes. Do not say another four months because the fields are ripe for harvest today. I want to share with you some wonderful stories from China and Siberia and Russia. The first story I have entitled, The Awakened Dragon. Asleep for centuries, even millenniums China is now awake I was amazed when I came into Beijing airport it's not like a communist country any problems going through customs no come in come in you know why China is interested in doing business with the rest of the world everywhere you go in China you could be my friend at least in Beijing downtown New York skyscrapers buildings going up everywhere there is free enterprise freedom is coming to china it's amazing my friend everywhere you go people are coming up to you wanting to buy things sell things to you wanting you to buy their goods and products there's a street there called silk street where i purchased this silk tie for four dollars and then had one of my friends come after and buy a bunch of them for two (laughs) dollars. I'm not a world's expert on bargaining, folks. But China is awake. People say, what about religious liberty? My friend, it is coming. There is already a measure of religious liberty in China. China is moving ahead. The dragon is awake. I want you to know. Last Sabbath or two weeks ago today, we spent in our church in, in Beijing and listened to the preaching of the word of God. The church was packed to the doors. After the church service, two young women came to me and they spoke good English. They were university students. I said, are you believers here? They said, no, we're not believers. We're atheists. What are you doing here in church? Why did you come to church? Because we want to find out what the Bible says. There are people, my friend, who are reaching out for God. People ask the question, is there widespread persecution of believers today in China? I don't believe so. I believe that there is some persecution in some isolated places but China is opening up to the preaching of the gospel. We took a a small tiny television crew that uh, I don't want to talk too much about but David came with a fully digitized miniature television camera so that we would not be so conspicuous but a few days ago I was in Tiananmen Square. I had the privilege of standing in Tenement Square and talking to the television camera and giving a message to the people back home, you're going to see this. And in that message I say, I'm standing right here in Tenement Square. Matsi Tung's great picture is standing behind me. This is the place where they had the massacre 10 years or so ago where more than a thousand young people were put to death. And I was able to stand there and say, freedom is coming to this country and the day is going to come my friend when the doors are going to open fully in china and we hope to be some of the first people in there and run a public campaign in the great city of beijing the door is opening in china one of the greatest wonders of the of the world i believe is the great wall of china i've been to most of the wonders of the world after all i live here in america don't i but i've been i've seen the pyramids many many times i think the great wall of china is better than anything i've seen the greatest thing 4,000 miles long, a tremendous wall. I was able to stand beside the great wall with David and his television crew and give a message for the people back home, which you're going to see later on television, maybe in this television program. But freedom, my friend, is coming to China and God is going to stretch out his hand over that great nation of 1.2 billion people and we are going to see millions, hundreds of people coming to Jesus Christ and it's going to happen soon. Don't say four months because the harvest is ripe. Here's my second story, food poisoning and God's providences. Uh, Two weeks ago we went to church Then we, in the afternoon, we went to a Buddhist temple, we saw there this tremendous Buddha, which is 90 feet high and covered in gold. And we saw the people falling down, worshipping this Buddha and saying their prayers. These people have got freedom to go and worship that Buddha. I thought to myself, these people need to be worshipping the living Christ. But then, Sabbath afternoon, I started to feel a little sick. And I I went round with Beverly on Saturday evening to build Graham's room with his mum there, Charlotte and i started to get sick then i got really cold hot and cold and they put me into bed they got a chinese doctor and uh, the chinese doctor said well we it'll be okay you've got a bacterial infection thanks be to god we had a good american doctor with us dr houston who came as a member of our team he comes from lancaster here and i want to send him greetings here on this television program Uh, dr Rendell houston what a tremendous blessing he was to me uh, he said, you've got, a, you've got a bug, you've got a bacterial infection. A train was going to leave that night at 10.30, but I was too sick to get on the train. And so everybody left me in the hotel uh, with Dr. Houston. They left me because I was in good hands. And uh, by midnight after the train was gone, I was stabilizing. They were able to give me an antibiotic, antibiotic that I could keep down. And... Uh, the idea was that if I could travel the next day that we would try to get a, a plane out of Beijing and fly to a city by the name of Harbin, which is up in the north, a thousand miles from Beijing. And with God's blessing, our team didn't know that we would try to do this. We would try to get on this plane and we would get to Harbin, and we would get from the airport and get to the railway station and we would catch the train. And so we got up at six o'clock the next morning. Dr. Houston said, how do you feel? I said, rotten. He said, well, let's go. So we went down and uh, the hotel staff sent a person with us out to the airport. This was on Sunday morning. Nobody seemed to be working there. And we went out and he was able to buy two tickets on the plane. Uh, Folks, it's very difficult when you're in a part of the world where hardly anybody speaks English. And then we we caught this China Northern, China Northern Airline. Uh, It was a great plane. It was a new Boeing 767. We flew 1,000 miles. I said to one of the flight attendants, because I was feeling sick, I said, when does this plane get in? 12 o'clock. We've got to catch a train, which is an hour from the railway station that comes in around 2 o'clock. And we need your assistance. They could not have been more helpful. This young Chinese lady said, I will go and see my captain. And he'll send a, a message to the ground staff and come up here and, and sit right next to the door so you'll be first out of the plane. So when the plane touched down at 12 o'clock, as soon as they opened the door, they got us out. There were Chinese interpreters. They, they got our luggage off that plane and had us in a taxi through a big airport, had us out at 12.15. Tried to do that in LAX, I tell you. So they had us in this taxi. We had to travel about an hour. It was a rough journey. The taxi driver, a Chinese man of course, he smoked and smoked and talked at the top of his voice. We had no idea what he was saying. Talked and blew cigarette smoke in my face. Uh, Dr. Houston was sitting in the back seat, the best place to be. And when we got to the, air, uh, got to the railway station we had a dilemma because nobody there spoke English. And then we found a a Chinese official, a communist official who knew a little bit of English and she said to us, have you got tickets? We said yes. She said, show me the tickets. We said, they're on the train. Fine, show us your tickets. So this went on for a long time. Fortunately the train was delayed and the train didn't get in until quarter to four. Thanks be to God. And 15 minutes before the train arrived they were not going to let us get on the platform. But they brought to us a beautiful young Russian girl and she came to us and she could speak perfect English. She said, what is your problem? I said, we missed our train because I had food poisoning last night. And my family and my team, they're on the train. And she said, show us the tickets. The tickets are on the train. So she went over to the officials and explained it to them and their faces just lit up like light bulbs. And they let us out on the platform. We had to drag our suitcases. I was feeling like death. We had to drag our suitcases down and up and downstairs and upstairs. When the train came in, it had 18 cars. I've never been so glad to see Boris before. (laughs) (laughs) Boris Belka was out with his camera taking pictures. We, halfway along, it was car number six. We got on the train, they dragged our stuff on board, and the train left for Manchuria. I tell you, my friend, it was simply a case of answered prayer, one after another. I believe in a personal God who hears our prayers. Can you say amen to that, my friend? Let me talk about lonely towns without a steeple. Lonely towns without a steeple. Everywhere you go in America, you see church steeples. We traveled through eastern Siberia. We had a train trip for two and a half days traveled through eastern Siberia, mile after mile, hundreds of miles, and we would come to towns and we would come to villages and we would come to cities and we never saw a single church, not a church. Those people know nothing, nothing, nothing. Those people know absolutely nothing about God. I felt stirred inside. I stood out there in the corridor and took worship for the people. I was feeling better. And I took them to texts in the Bible that say, how shall they hear without a preacher? Acts chapter 4, there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Uh, I turn to Ephesians chapter 2 that talks about people without Christ, without God or hope in the world. We read the words where Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Dr. Houston said a prayer then that God would somehow come into his church and stir his people so they'd want to go and tell these people Christ loves you, that Jesus died for you. My friend, you travel there for thousands of miles and those people have never had the opportunity of salvation. And I want to say, can I appeal to the people who are watching this program in the name of God, do something for these lost souls. We've got a burning desire in our hearts to bring to these people the living Christ. I want to talk about a modern Macedonian call In Acts chapter 16 you read there where the Apostle Paul had a vision one night. Remember that story? And in the vision a man came and said come over and help us. It's called the Macedonian call. I want to take you my friend on this trip. We left Los Angeles. We flew to Beijing. Then I got sick and the train left. But I caught the train up at Harbin. That was a thousand miles north. And then we went through uh, Manchuria, and then we came into Russia. It took us five hours to get from russia uh, from China into into Russia because there is still friction there along the border. five hours tremendous story what they do The, the, the train comes in on a certain track, certain width. But the Russian track is a different width and what they do at the border is that they jack up the train. We went and watched them do it. They jack up the train and they put new bogies, new cars, new, new wheels under the trains. Tremendous story. It's really interesting to see. But then we travel on, my friend. We came to Irkutsk. Irkutsk is on Lake Baikal. It is a city of almost a million people. And when I got there, I, we got there on the Tuesday night, on the Wednesday, the brethren took me down to the government down to the big uh, city town hall or down to the regional government station and we take, we're taken in to see a government minister. Do you want to hear the Macedonian call? This man, my friend, who is not a believer, he looked me in the eye, he talked to me for a long time. He told me the needs of the Russians, Russian people. He told me the needs of Siberia. He told me the needs of these lonely lost cities. He told me the crying heart of Mother Russia and he said to me, Pastor Carter, Russia needs you. Siberia needs you I ask you on behalf of the Russian government come here and run a crusade he said come over and help us he said we need you he said I have one big criticism to make about your church why aren't you doing more for these people you've only got a tiny little church here why aren't you doing more he said come over and we, are, we believe that God is sending us a clear directive to take the word of God to these people I want to say to some of you sitting here today who may have a superficial understanding of salvation. Listen to this. The Bible teaches that people without Christ are lost. If you don't have Christ you're lost. And the Bible said except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. God is not going to take people to heaven because they're sincere communists, sincere Buddhists or sincere anything. God is going to take people to heaven because they're under the blood of Jesus. And a person is saved through personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't believe this... You'll be absolutely dead as far as evangelism is concerned. I believe, my friend, we've heard the Macedonian call from the Russian government that has said to us, come over in the name of God. He said, come over in the name of God and help us. And we are planning to run a great citywide crusade right there in the heart of Siberia in the city of Irkutsk right next to Lake Baikal in August next year as God provides the money and God is going to do it. Let me talk to you now about the KGB and a new church. There was a man by the name of Dzinsky. He set up the infamous KGB. There has been no worse organization in the history of the world than the KGB. Putting people to death, torturing people. The man who set it up was Dzinsky. There is a city in Russia which is named after Dzinsky. It is called Dzynsk. In 1993, while I was running the campaign in Nizhny Novgorod, which is 50 miles away, I was asked by some of our lay people to go over to the Zinsk and to speak the word of God to those people. I said, I can't go. I've got thousands of people coming here. How can I go to another city? They said, come over. Are you going to preach next Monday night? Monday I was taking off. They said, come over on your night off. Come over and preach the word to these people. These people need to hear the word of God. I said, we don't have a brass bean. We don't have a a brass razoo. We don't have a dollar. We've spent everything we have. He said, can you find $1,000? I said, we'll do everything we can to find $1,000. We spent $1,000 including advertising and hiring a hall. I went over that night. Uh, Beverly came and some of my team members came. We had a real problem because we couldn't get to the hall. We couldn't get in the hall. Thousands of people were standing there trying to break down the doors. Finally, I got in, I preached one session, then I repeated that session. And then we set up a big video screen, and Marvin McKelpin and some lay people here from the United States of America took my videos that had been translated into Russian. And they showed them my videos. And they did this for the next eight nights. And then they said come back and preach again. I went back on the eighth night. And I made an altar call. And 1,500 people came forward. This was on a budget of $1,000. Now some of you folks here know what I'm talking about. Some of you folks know what I'm talking about because you know about the power of God. But some of our churches in this part of the world are so dead they can't understand what I'm talking about today. But I want you to know that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. You better believe this. This gospel is the power of God to salvation. We're talking about the great power of the creator God. Now, last Sabbath, boy, what a day. We flew on, thir- on Friday from Yakutsk over here to Moscow. Takes six and a half hours. We're talking here about a big country. Then on the Friday night, uh, Beverly and a small team of us uh, got on the train and traveled down on Friday night to Nisly Novgorod. Staggered off the train, went to Pastor Alexander's home, had a shower, had something to eat, and then started one of the greatest days of my life. Uh, let me tell it to you out of sequence, Sabbath afternoon, glory, hallelujah. As you know, we're building two churches in Nizhny Novgorod. People say, where do you get the money from? From people who care. From people who've got a heart for God. For people who are not so materialistic that they still think of other people. For people who still believe that the gospel is the power of God under salvation. For pe- from people, my friend, who are not drunken with the cares of this life and mesmerized by the dollar bill. People who give for God. There are still people who love God and give for God. And your love to God is shown by the way you put your hand into your pocket. That's the bottom line. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. God has given me much and God requires much of John Carter. And that's why I'm pouring my heart out to you today. That is why I am an evangelist. I'm a pastor and I'm an evangelist called by God to do this work. And so... Sabbath afternoon Alexander said we're going to go to the church in Dzinsk. the church in the city named after Dzinski." so we drove 50 miles at 3 o'clock, hallelujah. When we got there at 3 o'clock the street was filled outside the front of the church, our church, your church, the church that this church is building, can't you see why the devil is mad with this church? Can't you see why the devil is mad with this ministry? The devil never gets mad if you're dead. He only gets mad with you when he's doing something for God. And this church and this ministry is doing something great for God. Don't fight this ministry I say my friend. Because you may be found to be fighting God. And so here we were my friend in the city of Novgorod, And then we went out to the city of, of Dzinsk, named after Dzinsky. And when we came to this street it was filled with our believers. Some of them who'd come to Christ through my video campaign. And then Vadim, God bless him, had run a campaign there. And he had raised up several hundred people. Glory be to God. And there they were standing waiting in the cold. And at the the church, I'm going to show you pictures of this after I've got through. But uh, the TV guys are going to pop this in probably about now. They're going to make an edit and pop this in. And you'll see our church. The church that you have helped to build. The church, my friend, that the Spirit of God has moved upon people to build. There is our church in Dzinsk, And standing outside the church, they were waiting for us with a big loaf of bread. A Russian loaf of bread and salt. The ceremony of bread and salt. Which is the customary greeting that they give to people whom they love. In Russia and so we went up there I broke a piece of the bread off put some salt on which wasn't good for me because it puts up my blood pressure but I put it on just the same because I thought if I didn't put it on it would put up my blood pressure even further so I took some of the bread and salt and in the name of God thank God for these believers this church has been on the go now for only two months it's almost finished this church is going to be finished in four weeks And then we went inside the church. I didn't have a sermon prepared, but who needs to prepare a sermon when God is in you? And I preached a sermon to those people and the love that was there. I wish you could feel the love. I wish you could feel the gratitude. Then you would know the joy of being a soul winner. There's some people in this world who go to such dead churches that they've never known glory. They've never known joy. They've never known the power of the Holy Spirit. All they can do is sit around and groan and moan, but they don't know what it is to rejoice in God. We met, my friend, last Sabbath afternoon with hundreds of believers in a brand new church. Almost finished praising and worshiping God. I could feel the love. Glory be to God. On that Saturday night, I had a meeting with uh, most members of the conference committee. And uh, with Pastor Alexander, who is my very, very beloved dear friend, with Harold Follett, my dear friend, who is our attorney, and some of our team members. And we were pleased to give them in cash the money for finishing that church. Soon, my friend, it is going to be finished. It's even going. It's even going to have a carpet. It's got a... A home that they're building in the top of the church for the pastor. Something wonderful happened after the service. Uh, Alexander came to me and he said, come under the church. So I went down the stairs. They've got Sabbath school rooms under the church. It is being built by a group of Ukrainian Adventist Christians and they work 16 hours a day. They start at 4 o'clock in the morning and they work 16 hours a day. They're living in that unheated church in the basement and even now it's starting to snow in that part of the world. We had a snowstorm in Siberia getting cold in Russia and he said come down the church we are under the church then we went up he said I want to see you show you where the pastor's going to live with his wife and we went up there and glory bless your heart I had some tables and they did this out of the abundance of their hearts and out of the abundance of their generosity. I have no idea how they could afford to do it. But the pastor's wives had prepared us a feast of Russian food. And they said this is from our hearts to you to tell you. Specific, specific. Thank you in the name of God. I say to the church watching on television thank you in the name of God. Thank you in the name of God. These people my friend are worth supporting they're worth supporting i'm proud to be associated with them let me tell you let me tell you about hungry kids some of you older folks here will remember the great depression russia is going through a depression worse than the world depression. the state of russian society is worse than you can imagine within the last few years it's been going downhill now it is in a state of absolute collapse. Two million Russians, Martha, two million Russians are suffering today with tuberculosis. Forty percent of the children, that's almost half the children, are suffering from malnutrition, which is a nice way of saying they're starving. When I was in Dzinsk, I saw their... God bless them, my young Russian soldiers, whom I baptized in 1992. There was Yuri and the two victors. Some of you have seen pictures of them. The blonde-haired victor came to me. He said, Spaceba, Pastor Karas, spaceba. He's lost several teeth. They've fallen out of his head. You know why? The boy is practically starving to death. A pastor in that conference now was earning, well a few months ago he was earning $200 a month. Now a pastor like Alexander, the conference president, is earning $60 a month. I heard on the on the news yesterday that Dole, you know Dole Bananas, D-O-L-E, nothing to do with Bob Dole, Dole Bananas, it has taken a hit on the New York Stock Exchange. You know why? Because Dole Bananas was exporting bananas to Russia. Big market for bananas. But Russia can no longer import a banana. Now I want to tell you something because the American people have got a name for the being the most generous people in the world. I want to tell you something. Your brothers and your sisters in Christ are facing starvation as never before in Russia. Forty percent of children in Russia are on this, uh, suffering from malnutrition. Oh to God that people would send me money so I can go and buy vitamins and so I can talk to the United States Air Force and get an airlift in there. Your brothers and your sisters are starving. It is the greatest disaster that has ever faced a nation. The life expectancy of the Russian male has gone back so far that it's worse than it was a hundred years ago under the czars. I've never seen Norm and I went for a walk in Dzinsk. We said, oh God, what what, what can we do? What can we do? I took some folks with me whom I appreciate and esteem. And uh, I want them to tell you just a little from their own hearts. Susan, please come, Susan P. Rhino. She and her husband, Javier, came with us. They were a great blessing to us on the trip. And uh, I haven't told these folks what to say. I have no idea what they're going to say. But I'm going to ask several of them to say what they saw and try to share with you what's going on over there and try to inspire us and to inspire this wonderful audience to do something for God and these people.
1: Thank you, Pastor Carter. Um, This is, I think, the fourth time that Javier and I have been able to travel with Pastor Carter and Beverly to Russia and to China this time. And every time we have just been mightily blessed and our eyes have been opened to see the needs of the people there. Um, I think all of us here live a sheltered life. We have everything we need and we come home and we get up and our worst concern is what are we gonna wear for the day. But when we get to Russia and I see faces and I see children who are are hungry and I see people who are in need of, of so much and I know the greatest need that they have is is the need of Christ. And for us to be there as a ministry I thought I just looked out the window as we traveled for thousands of miles and I looked into the vast lands to see these small towns and villages and I thought how in the world are these people ever going to hear about Christ? How can we do something? And I just, I felt a little bit overwhelmed to think that now as a Christian I have an obligation and my, my task is somehow to be able to share the joy that I have of knowing Christ in my life. And these people need to have that same joy, too. And in going into our coots, we met so many of our believers there and, and people that are starving to hear the word of God and urging Pastor Carter to please come next year to run a crusade. Looking at a stadium, that could see 20,000 people and I could just stand there and see it filled, filled with people that will come to know Christ and will accept him and that will happen and God will open the doors and he will let that happen because he he took us there for a reason and he wanted us to see that so that we would know the needs of these people and feel the burden in our hearts to be able to share Christ with these folks and then to f- meet a young man by the name of Const- Const- Constantine who hasn't been working for four months because they have no money to pay him and he has not he hasn't job and he's thinking of going into the seminary and he looked at Pastor Carter and he said to him, thank you for those tapes that I got last year on the trans siberian Express. He said, those tapes have been a source of life for me. And that was just a small thing, to be able to go across Siberia to hand out tapes, but who knows what impact those tapes are having for people. So there is such a need out there f- for everyone, and we just need to try and do whatever we can. To share and fill those needs. And and I thank you for all that you do to support this ministry because this is a ministry that is definitely sharing Christ with so many lost people. Thank you.
0: Bless you, Susan. Thank you. <clears throat> Let me tell you the story of the mustard seed. Jesus said, You see, this little mustard seed is the smallest, but it grows into something great because there's life in it. The mustard seed is like the gospel. It starts in a small way, but when God is in it, it grows into a great tree. Last Sabbath morning, boy, what a day. We went to the Christian Cultural Center that has been largely built through the dedication of of Danny and Linda Shelton, helped by Harold Follett, and and helped a little bit by this ministry, too. But my friend, it is the biggest Protestant building in the whole of the ex Soviet Union. Can, Can you hear what I'm saying? And we went into the church. What a great church, a great church. And if you could have seen the people, you're going to see them. Uh, The place is jam-packed, people standing everywhere. People seated on on the steps come to hear the word of God. And uh, they heard for us, because I preached the word of God. And I preached on, don't give up, don't give up. God won't let you down. Even though times are hard, I said to them, don't give up. God will be with you, and we will be with you too. They had three choirs for us. <laughs> I had baptized most of the choir members, three choirs. They had great singing, marvelous singing. I, we, the whole service went for two hours plus. As I looked over that congregation, as I saw the church, as I traveled around Nisdy, I went to the other church that we're building and saw it almost completed. I said, what God hath wrought. God has taken a little mustard seed, he's taken a little ministry, he's taken a little group of people, he's taken a little church. And God has used it, my friend, to save thousands of souls. I felt last Sabbath after after going to church last Sabbath morning, it was worth it all. Sometimes one is tempted to ask the question, is it worth the struggle? Why go through the gunk? Why not just go and sit in some little church and fossilize? Why not? You get paid the same, don't you? You get paid the same, you don't get any hassles. Why not do it? You know why? Because it's wrong. That's why. And because God has called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I want to tell you running this ministry and the things that we're going through at present, people say, is it a strain on you? Of course it's a strain. Do you think we're made out of... Out of rocks? Don't you think we've got hearts? We do feel. Do you think we like these things that are happening to us? No, we don't. But is it worth it all? Yes, it is worth it all when you see what I saw. And it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. It's going to be worth it all when we stand beside the sea of glass, mingled as it were with fire, and we see all of these saints, the thousands of them, come up to us and say, Thank God that you invited me here. I tell you, my friend, it's worth it all. Let me tell you something else. I want to tell you about Dr. Julia. Dr. Julia Ukina, who is the sister of Boris Nemtsov. We ought to pray for Boris Nemtsov. He's possibly, under God, Russia's last hope because that government is being filled up with communists now and the nation is moving back into a into a system which could become oppressive. As the nation collapses, people are desperate. I want to tell you, people say to me, well, it's too late now to preach in Russia. Hey, don't give me that. There's never been a better time. When we go, by the grace of God, to Irkutsk on Lake Baikal in Sa- Siberia, we're hiring this auditorium, this outdoor stadium. I'm going to preach out of doors in August, in summer. It's going to be great. I can hardly wait. We're going to set up our, our system out there in the playing field. We're going to have that place more than filled. The government minister said to me, you, this is as good as we can do. This is only seats 20,000. Only 20,000. He said, everybody's going to want to come. People are so hungry for the word of God. I had the privilege of uh, baptizing Dr. Julia Ukenau after the campaign in 1992. After I'd come out, after talking to Boris Nemtsov, then the governor of Nizhny Novgorod, there was this lady standing there, and she came up to me, and she said, Pastor Carter, and she had the bandage on her finger. I've told some of you the story. She said, I'm Julia Uka now. Today I was baptized. She said, Can I tell you a story? I said, Yes. She said, Last Sabbath when I came to the baptism and you called upon people to follow Christ and keep the commandments of God, she said, No. I said, No. I can't keep this old Sabbath. I don't want to keep this old Sabbath. I don't want to give up this old Sabbath. So she said, I went out on that Sabbath afternoon and she said, I went and bought some meat. And she said as I was slicing up the meat, a little bone stuck up under my finger. And she said it became badly infected. And she said everywhere, and she said I put a big bandage on it, there's the bandage. She said everywhere I went this week, every time I held up my hand, my finger said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. She said I have decided to follow Christ and obey his word and today I was baptized. It was a joy to baptize Julia Ukenau. She has started with the help of 3ABN and and some other Christian supporters. She has started her own television program. Her own television program. It is now on 43 Russian television stations on 43 russian television stations my friend the mustard seed is growing you can't stop it my friend men can try to stop the mustard seed growing but when god is in it nothing can stop it not even lawsuits hear what i'm telling you today after the meeting also on sabbath morning i saw there sitting down the front vladimir samarodkin and his beautiful wife i told you folks what a story that is until recently, he was the first secretary of the Communist Party, the first secretary of the Communist Party for the province of Nizhny Novgorod. Today, he is a believing Christian because he watched the Carter Report on Russian television. Glory be to God. There he was on Sabbath. He came to Beverly and me, told me the story of how the communists have come to him, and they said, you can come back even if you're a believer. He said, no, thank you. Not coming back to the Communist Party. This man, my friend, is a testimony To the power of God. Ron Barclay who is one of the elders of our church and a brother whom we love in Christ is here today. Ron come stand and tell the people from your heart what you saw.
2: Over the last few years, two or three years I've had the privilege to stand before you as your brother and ask you to, deep, to dig deep into your pockets to support this ministry. I've come close to crying because I've seen the tremendous need of these people. This is my third trip with Pastor Carter, my first trip to China. While in China we visited a lot of neat places to see the Great Wall, many of the temples and so on, But while in the temples, visiting these Buddhist shrines, I saw people come before a man-made wooden object, kneel down before it, bow to it. And when they left, they were in the same hopeless state that they were in before they bowed down to it. What are we gonna do? It's our responsibility to take this gospel of Christ to these people. On the other hand, when I visited our church in China, I walked in, and the first thing I saw was a little old lady on her knees with her hands folded. That little old lady is saved because she's come to Christ. Please excuse me, when you see these things, it really goes to your heart. When in Russia I saw the same thing last Sabbath, we went to a different church from Pastor Carter, I saw little Babushka doing the same thing. At the close of the church service I looked across and here's a little five or six year old girl with her hands folded praying. These people are there worshiping God because of you, because of your sacrifice. I pray that the Holy Spirit will descend upon the heart of every person here to continue your support of this ministry, that these people will join with us when we're taken to glory.
0: Bless you, Ron. Beverly.
3: You've heard some of our wonderful stories that God showed us on our most recent visit. Someone asked me, why do you keep going back? It's simple. It is and ever has been the people. And as many of you know, since 91, every year, I've been taking groups to hospitals, orphanages. I've heard the cries of the children. I've heard the cries of the parents that keep telling me we don't have enough food. The children at the end of each winter are vitamin deficient. And it hasn't changed. We thought things were getting better, but unfortunately they're not. They're getting worse. There's a text in in Luke where Jesus said, a man who puts his hand to the plough, if he turns back, he's not worthy of the kingdom. Dear friends, with God's help, we're not going to turn back. And I want to ask and invite each one of you here today and watching on 3ABN, please continue to be with us, to walk with us, to take the work forward and the word of God And soon, may it be finished, so all their suffering will be done and we'll go home to be with Jesus.
0: Thank you. Folks, look at the text again. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. They're the words of Jesus. As we travelled on the train up through Mongolia... We saw there, my friend, this is just before we got into Russia, up here. We saw the Chinese peasants out in the field bringing in the harvest. There's a greater harvest, my friend, that's got to take place. It is the harvest of the gospel. It is harvest time now around the world. Now is the time to give, now is the time to pray now is the time to sacrifice and now is the time to go amen please all bow your heads Father God we thank you for the privilege of being born in this country or in Australia or some other country that has never seen war like these other places that has never seen the terrible poverty and here our father today we've been talking about a vast nation of 160 million souls 170 million souls the Russians who were once our enemies but who are now turning to God but where are the Reapers Oh God stir this audience today help us every time we see a well-fed child in America or Canada To visualize a beautiful little child in Russia or Ukraine that has skinny legs and white, white features because there's not enough food. And help us to remember that we have now tens of thousands of brothers there and they don't know how they go to face the winter. Oh my God. In the name of Jesus, I beseech you that you will speak to the hearts of this audience and the television audience. That a cry will go up to heaven, Lord send me. So bless these people today. We thank you for all the wonderful things you've done and are doing. And we dedicate ourselves to your service today. In Jesus' name, amen.